Top 14, the finest football multimedia page out there. Follow us on the socials and don't forget to like and subscribe. Enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to the latest instalment of the Top 14's podcast. It's myself, Lucas Ross, joined by co-host Tom Ward this week. Tomo, how are we doing? Very good. Another good week of football. Really starting to get to the entertaining part of the season now where, you know, things are really there to play for. And if you can get, I always say, if you can get through championship and sort of the EFL and the Premier League from the bit of the drab period between sort of January and and February, then you deserve it now. And we've got through that. And so now's the interesting bit, even though I find it all interesting, to be fair. Me as well, to be quite blunt with our listeners. Also, just a heads up to our Crystal Palace and Leeds listeners and to our Preston Blackburn listeners, this instalment of the Top 40s podcast was recorded before those games. So I do apologise to listeners who follow those clubs. We, As always, we will get the ball rolling in the Premier League, no pun intended, starting off at the Emirates Stadium, where Arsenal played Manchester United and overcame them by three goals to one. Tomo, um, what do you have to say about this? Yeah, I, I did watch the first half of this game in the pub before um, walking two miles from the pub, the nearest pub to the Bet365 stadium where I watched was lose to Stoke. But anyway, I thought Arsenal were good, but again, shaky defensively in fairness. Uh, first half was an open game, but the Manchester United defending for the first goal and it can't be blamed on Harry Maguire because he wasn't on the pitch. So I think it was Varane and Tellez missed it and the the shot was then saved and Tavares scored. The penalty, I think, is a penalty. Um, Obviously, the Nketiah goal was disallowed for offside and then they got a penalty anyway, which I think is a fair decision. And then Arsenal did and Arsenal conceded a very soft goal. It was Ronaldo's 100th Premier League goal, so fair play to him for that especially with what he's gone through obviously Cristiano you are listening so um yeah hope hope you're feeling okay um and then Granite Shakas does what we know he can do but does rarely show and scores an absolute thunderbolt to seal the points for Arsenal after a horrendous penalty from Bruno Fernandes who's a player that really in my opinion has been very overhyped because of the fact that he started his career well you get a lot of players like that don't you Lucas where they start their career on fire at a club and all of a sudden he's the best thing in the world i mean some people at points a couple of years ago were saying he was and last season at times were saying he's like the best player in the world i mean honestly i don't even think he should be starting for manchester united but that's a whole other Pandora's box. But yeah, great win for Arsenal. I think that's it for United's top four hopes and a real, with Spurs drawing, I think it's it's really big that for Arsenal after a, a midweek win against Chelsea as well. Um, not to mention um, not to mention Spurs do have a game in hand on Manchester United, so it is looking pretty doom and gloom for the Red Devils. As you said, some um, defensive mix-up from Varane and Tellez, both missing their clearances. The initial effort was saved, but um, Tavares got the rebound. And then Bukayo Saka scores the penalty. I think they should have just let the goal stand, even though it was offside. I think the foul should have counteracted um, the offside for the goal to stand in the first place. Ronaldo scores two minutes later, and then a horrific penalty from Bruno Fernandes. Not his first one of the season, mind you. 
before um, Jack has done the bolt, makes it signed, sealed and delivered for Arsenal. Another thing which is signed, sealed and delivered, more or less, is Watford's relegation, as they had their annual annihilation from Manchester City, as they hit them for five this time with Gabriel Jesus, with a world-class individual performance getting four of the goals and an assist as well for Rodri's goal. It was an absolutely fantastic performance from the Brazilian who's really stepped up while Aguero has been absent, especially on Saturday where he scored four goals and got an assist for Rodri's goal. For Man City, they sit top of the league by a single point and Watford, they could be relegated as early as the 7th of May when they play Crystal Palace if they lose against Burnley and other results go against them. Tomo, do you have anything you'd like to say about this? Yeah, just briefly, Jesus is is a good striker. He obviously has been linked with Arsenal, allegedly, this summer, which I don't think Man City will let him go. Um, his finishing's not great. I mean, we've seen him in a couple of games like the FA Cup semi-final where he missed a few chances, but I think he's a good all-round striker. And yeah, as for Watford, they are just as good as down, I think. Been a really underwhelming season for them again, really. Yeah, and no, I do have to say, Watford are fast evolving into... On the collection of yo-yo clubs we've been seeing this season into, into a collection of yo-yo clubs alongside the likes of Norwich, Fulham, Wigan and Rotherham, to name a few. Another game of the Premier League we are going to touch upon. We are going to move to Anfield where we had the Merseyside derby yesterday. As despite a resolute first half performance from relegation threatened Everton, Liverpool just showed their class with Andy Robertson and Divock Origi scoring to give the Reds a 2-0 win over the Toffees, who are in serious trouble of going down. They currently sit 18th in the league. And with just six games left for the Toffees, that's not a place we want to be, is it, Tomo? No, I thought, yeah, a bit harsh on Everton. A lot of Everton fans are moaning at the referee, which about that penalty incident and other things, but it's never a penalty in a million years, that for me. I think Gordon is very, very clever the way he goes down and he was brilliant, Gordon, to be fair. Certainly Everton's standout player, but he's going to ruin himself by throwing himself on the floor all the time because those dives were embarrassing, especially that first one. I mean, the second one, he just steps across Matip and throws himself to the floor, which is obviously games. And he probably thinks, because from the angle the referee's looking, that he'll give it a pen. But a lot of people having a go at the ref, it was a really good decision, in my opinion. Um but Everton were probably not the better side, but were certainly in the game and up until Liverpool's opener. And even after that, we saw Damari Gray smash an unbelievable strike just wide. But yeah, I thought Liverpool, they finally got the goal. And once they'd broken Everton's sort of deadlock, then they were fairly comfortable in the game. And Divock Origi, that man, he came on and was involved in the first goal. Great ball from Salah and for the Robertson header. And then his obviously overhead kick was the one for the second goal so yeah really really good play from Liverpool that's a massive three points obviously a derby's never going to be a big game but I think it was a much improved performance from Everton and and they'll be really pleased yeah certainly a lot of positives to take for Everton moving into their dogfight over the next couple of weeks to try and stay in the Premier League and I'll just say this now I've never really wanted to see I don't think I don't think there's um, a side who's been as universally wanted 
to go down as Everton, as this Everton side have been this season. There's just something about it. Perhaps the seeing the big side dropped into the championship for a year or two. That's just appealing to other clubs and myself included, really. I, I, I myself and Tom as well, supporting a team in the championship, I would love to do Everton away next season. I'd absolutely love it to bits. It'd just be what I want to do, really. Just go Everton away next season. And me and my dad always talk about doing the Merseyside clubs on away matches next season. And if Everton go down, then it will prove the guilt-etched golden opportunity to do just that. The final game we are going to touch upon in the Premier League. Again, another side which is signed, sealed, delivered as and as good as relegated are Norwich City, the Canaries. As the Joe Linton masterclass and a clangor from Tim Krull give Newcastle a 3-0 victory. Feels like yesterday where Timu Puki spanked in a hat-trick against Lee's dot to get a 3-1 victory in. But now it's relegation, surely, Tommy, for Norwich. Yeah, I think they've been relegated pretty much their attitude from the start of the season. Um, I think, again, Norwich fans are starting to get very disgruntled with it, with the sort of Delia Smith, Stuart Webber sort of ownership and leadership group because they've shown no ambition. And in this game, it was just a, a golfing class. I mean, Newcastle's rise up the table is brilliant. I think at one stage they were ninth in the league, which... Just shows how good they've and been. They're not the right now. Yeah, so there you go. Currently ninth in the table, which, as I say, just shows how good Eddie Howe's job has been since he's come in. I mean, yes, you can say, oh, they've signed all sorts of players. I mean, Bruno Guimaraes would probably walk into most midfield, par- bar maybe Liverpool and Manchester City's. Um, and the fact that Newcastle have managed to get him is is a massive coup. But he's still got to turn those players around. I mean, you look at other sides who've spent big in the past, the likes of Fulham when they've went down, uh, Everton, you look at the situation they're in, you've still got to get results. And Eddie Howe has managed to galvanise the, the side and galvanise the city, really, and has done an absolutely brilliant job. And, yeah, Norwich, it was they had a couple of chances in this game, most of them falling to Kieran Dowell, which... I think says a lot that Dowell's starting. He's not a bad player, Dowell, but he's a champion. He's a good player for a championship side, and he obviously missed the chances, and that's probably why. And Joel Linton gets two half chances and puts on a a forty million pounds worth performance. But yeah, great result for Newcastle, and I think that is definitely curtains for the Canaries. Yeah, and when Kieran Dowell is having sixty percent of your shots um, in the Premier League. That's when you know it's worrying. And to know not a single shot went in, also worrying. Moving on now to the championship. I'm going to start off at a side, at a game which had significant ends, which had significant meaning at both ends of the table. A game which saw Huddersfield rubber stamp themselves in the playoffs and keep Bournemouth on their, on their heels. And a game which saw the second championship relegation casualty of the season as Barnsley dropped down to League One, just one year on from a playoff campaign in which I was tipping them to go all the way and get promoted. Now they've just been relegated to League One. Tomo, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it was a game that summed up both sides' seasons, really. Huddersfield have always been that team that most EFL fans, and myself included, always thought, to be fair, that they'd drop off. And 
Carlos Corbran has to be given immense credit because the way that he's turned those players that, let's be honest, the likes of Jonathan Hogg, who's ageing, Danny Ward, players like that, they're, they're probably mid-table quality players, but he's turned them into a really, really effective system. And they are just very good at grinding out results. I mean, you saw the game, they've had injuries, but the replacement players that came in, Jordan Rhodes was outstanding in the game. Um, and others, they've not got Colwell, but Tom Lees has been an absolute monster at the back this season. And genuinely, I think they could go all the way in the playoffs um, because they are very difficult to play against. And their goalkeeper's brilliant, which you always need in big games. And yeah, brilliant for Huddersfield and Barnsley. I think they just, they've made two really poor appointments this season. I feel for Poirass Bargy because you can see how much it meant to him, but I, I just think it was not his squad of players. And they did bring in Bassey and Queener in January, but they they showed a little bit for a little bit. Obviously, they beat QPR, but they did show a little bit of an upturn in form. But then from then on, it was just downhill. And as I say, they'll have to really make a good appointment this summer, because if they don't, then I think the fan base could turn toxic very fast. I think it was a matter of two rash appointments. And while Poya Asbargi did walk into the job with effectively his hands tied behind his back, it just wasn't to be for it just wasn't to be for the 36-year-old Swede as his side have just effectively effectively got worse and worse and worse. Bar a good run around February, March, with which did see some fans say, Oh, these might be staying up. It just wasn't to be. But I will say this now. The best half of football I've seen this season as a QPR fan was Marcus Shops Barnsley. They were fantastic. One million percent. I they can't believe that that team just how that's happened. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they were absolutely world class in that first half against us. Deservedly going into nil, possibly more. We just couldn't handle them. But I do feel for Barnsley and its curtains for them, as we said, as their mathematical relegation was signed, sealed and delivered on Friday night. As for Huddersfield, it's all looking rosy for them. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to say this now. At the start of the season, I predicted Huddersfield to be relegated. I've been made to look like an absolute coward now. And players like Harry Toffolo, Daniel Sinani, Jordan Rhodes, Lee Nichols, Tom Lees, Lewis O'Brien... Jonathan Hogg, just to name a few, have been absolutely world-class Huddersfield this season and they deserve to be in the position they're in. So hats off to the Terriers, hats off to Carlos Corberan and hats off to the entire team. And as he said, this is a side who could go all the way and repeat the fairy tale of half a decade ago. Yeah, I think that's that probably sums up that game. Another game then that I think was equally important in the championship playoff race was Quite a boring one, to be fair. And it was Sheffield United 1, Cardiff nil. Now, the Blades, no fit strikers. Billy Sharp came on for 20 minutes of this game, um, which is good for the Blades, obviously. But they've had a few really poor performances, especially at home this season. And so to win 1-0 in a comfortable manner, I mean, Cardiff didn't even get near the Sheffield United goal, is really important for them. It probably puts them right in the pole position for the playoffs with Middlesbrough and Millwall both drawing. Um, 
And so, yeah, played massive win. Ilium and Ndai with another massive goal for them. And I think that's pretty much the top six all signed, sealed and delivered, apart from if there is a miracle. But not a lot of creativity for Sheffield United, but they got the job done. Exactly. And from a Blades point of view, that and from any fan's point of view, getting the job done is more or less all you ask for. And for Sheffield United, um, it was that they got the job done. Another game of Chad significance at both ends of the league saw a, another playoff spot signed, sealed and delivered and saw the third and final relegation spot guaranteed. And the relegation spot went to Peterborough United as they succumbed to a 1-0 defeat against Nottingham Forest. Despite a spirited performance from the posh, it just wasn't to be as Sam Surridge got, got his goal. And uh, from a posh perspective, they've improved in recent weeks under Grant McCann, but um, Peterborough will be disappointed that they didn't appoint him sooner. And yeah, I think that Peterborough as a whole will probably be disappointed they didn't sack Darren Ferguson sooner because he didn't. They didn't even sack him. He resigned. Well, there you go. I think that's the problem because since McCann's come in, they've certainly looked a much better outfit. And the one positive I think that they can take Peterborough is if you look at the other sides that are going down into League One. Obviously, Derby will potentially have their hands tied behind their backs again. Um, and then Barnsley look nowhere near in any sort of shape to compete next season as it stands. And so Peterborough will probably be targeting a promotion again next season because I think they probably won't lose any of their key players. I'm not, I'm not sure Johnson Clark Harris will get a move at all. Um, Ronnie Edwards potentially, but they could easily keep him for at least another season. Um, and then you've got the likes of Marriott, Randall, George Grant, who hasn't really given been given a chance this season. Barley Mumba, they may be able to get him back on loan. So they'll probably be able to keep that squad together. And, and they have been performing, to be fair, under McCann. Yeah, um, they McCann, they certainly McCann perform under Grant McCann. And um, and the result against Blackburn on Easter Monday did show Every that. Every week. There's always a pun every week, and it's always this sort of time. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it was, it was, it, it just was too little, too late for the posh as their relegation to League One was signed, sealed, delivered. Plenty of positives to take down, though. Um, I must say, um, another game which saw playoffs mathematically eliminated for a side was um, West Brom nil, Coventry nil, as Carlin Grant's last gasp penalty miss succumbs West Brom to the championship for another season. Tom, do you have anything to say about the matter? Well, there was there was bad results really for all those chasing sides. And I think we should briefly touch on all of them, to be fair. That West Brom game, that penalty miss probably sums up their season. And Coventry will be disappointed because, as I say, they, they've shown so much promise at times this season and just haven't been able to string enough of a run together to really get into those playoffs. And and I think they'll probably take confidence into next season. I think West Brom could be dangerous next season. It's guaranteed that Steve Bruce is staying on. Um, so he'll probably be backed heavily in the window and, and therefore they could be a threat next year. Middlesbrough will be disappointed because they drew one all, missed a couple of chances, scored and then conceded literally two minutes later, which you never, ever want to do, um, especially in such a big game. 
they just can't find a striker that will score goals. They went with Watmore and Coburn up front, and then they were both sub for Connolly and Spora. No Balogun even featuring a minute in this game, which for the amount that they're paying him probably weekly is baffling, really. But they just need a goal scorer. And then Millwall and Birmingham drawing two all. A really disappointing result for Millwall this because they'll have gone to, you know, St Andrews probably expecting to win, but going 1-0 down and then equalising but conceding a penalty and only being saved thanks to a 98-minute penalty from Benikafobe, which a point keeps them in with a slight chance, but it's a, it's a disappointing result for all three of those sides, well, all four of those sides, and not to mention our team QPR, who ended their promotion chances with an absolute whimper going down 1-0 to Stoke in a really drab performance that has been pretty much encapsulated our last couple of months, really. Um, so, yeah, all great results for Sheffield United. And unfortunately, the Championship is normally the most entertaining league out of the lot. But this season, it's looking like other leagues because everything's pretty much sealed yeah, everything's looking set. The playoffs could still be absolutely fantastic, though. It does go without saying. But unfortunately, our beloved QPR won't be a part of it this year. I think it was just a matter of too soon and too much pressure being heaped onto us. So, And that's made us capitulate. But yeah, we did go down without a whimper against Stoke on Saturday by a goal to nil. Also not registering a, a single shot on target either, which is really poor as well moving on now before I start to cry we're going to go to a game where both sides who were struggling we were fighting relegation at one point this season are now safe and it was Hull and it was Hull's absolute annihilation job of 3-0 against Reading with goals from Keen Lewis with a brace from Keen Lewis Potter and and a goal and a goal from um and a goal from Alfie Jones as well um, I think everyone was expecting Alakya Syed Manesh to perform, but he didn't. But it doesn't matter for the Tigers. But yeah, I think that sums up the championship for you. You've definitely brought that up just because you know you can pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah, you? I did. Yeah. But yeah, but... one thing I just want to do want to put to you quickly is I think that Lewis Potter will a million percent get a move. But do you think it'll be to a Premier League club? Or do you think it'll be to a top champ team? Yeah, about that. Um, Lewis Potter has been absolutely world-class for Hull this season. I think world-class might be a bit strong, but he's been fantastic by Hull standards anyway. Um, whether he moves to... I can see him moving. to If he stays... He could go towards the bottom of the Premier League. I can see him moving to Burnley if they stay up. We can see him going to somewhere like Crystal Palace, Southampton, Brighton... <laughs> Just, just to name a few. Or if he does stay in the championship, I can see him moving to say Nottingham Forest if they don't go up. Middlesbrough, just again, just to name a few. All food for thought. Moving on now to League One, we are going to start off at Stadium MK as a two-nil victory for MK Dons means that they they sit outside the top two only on goal difference. As goals from Harry has Harry goals from Harry Darling and Daniel Harvey. Um, ensure a 2-0 win for MK Dons. Another clean sheet for Jamie coming in goal and a disappointing performance from Morecambe as they sit down in 19th, still in with a chance of relegation on the final day. But 
Beg Desert 19th. Tomo, do you have anything to say about the matter? Yeah, Harry Darling's goal was unbelievable as well. I think he picks the ball well into his own half and takes it on a really long run before scoring. Um, but yeah, that's a massive result, really, that for MK. I think it puts them, you know, in third place right on the heels of Rotherham. And they've had a couple of sort of underwhelming performances and results recently. So they'll be really pleased with that. Um, Morecambe, as for them, that defeat... Luckily, the other sides didn't really pick up any points. Fleetwood drew with Wimbledon um, and Gillingham got beat as well. So they didn't lose any ground on the play, on the relegation sort of as they're on their survival bid. But they they were just outclassed by a good MK side, in fairness. And I think MK are going to be a real force in the playoffs. I think if MK do come up next season on a more personal light, it'll be a class away day, but... They are they've they've been doing bits in League One this season and hats off to them and to Liam Manning as well, who's come in and done a really good job. Another game at the top, which I feel the urge to talk about as we head down to my local side, Wickham Wanderers, as they overcame as they overcame Plymouth Argyle, no, as they overcame Sheffield Wednesday by a goal to nil in a massive game at the top of the league. As Wickham sit inside the playoffs, albeit Sheffield Wednesday have a game in hand on them and a goal from Jordan Abita was enough to give Wickham that 1-0 victory Tomo, what do you have to say about this game? Yeah, a disappointing performance from Wednesday really um, they went into this game probably looked thinking you know, if we win this we could even be breathing down next to the top two because they've been playing really well recently but that defeat and all of a sudden the pressure's right back on them to get into that top six because Wickham leapfrogged them and now they actually sit outside of the playoffs and we'll probably speak about Sunderland's big win later and so they probably solidified their spot so Wednesday they need two wins now and that's going to be obviously pressure does funny things so Wickham are doing all they can hats off to Gareth Ainsworth because I mean, you just compare the two sides on paper there. It's it's incredible what results Wickham have managed to get and disappointing from Wednesday. But they'll probably still feel confident, especially with the likes of Barry Bannon in the side, who was still good in this game. But Wednesday, again, strikers, probably their issue. Yeah, let's not forget this This is the same Barry Bannon who earlier got described as the one of the best to ever do it in League One. But we'll debate that um, when when that when the bridge comes. Um, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, should I say. As for Wickham, big win. They now sit in the playoffs, albeit by a point. But his thing, fourth, fifth, sixth are all tied on 80 points. Second and third are tied on 86. It just goes to show how insanely close it is at the top of the league. So MK of top three signed seal delivered unless Sunderland win both their games and MK lose both their games and, and MK lose their final game. But for as for Wickham and Plymouth, I'd say they just need I'd say they just need to win um, their final game of the season. Wickham's case it's Burton away and Plymouth case it is MK Dons at home. Oh, that's going to be tasty. Um, another game which will be worth touching upon would be um and that would be a pretty big annihilation job in league one as Sunderland overcome Cambridge by five goals to one it's pretty it's a more or less a nothing game but I think 
the fact that Sunderland hit them for five with a fantastic performance from Ross Stewart and his strike partner, Nathan Broadhead, just goes to show how Sunderland really should be up there this season and really pushing for promotion. Another game worth talking about, a relegation six-pointer, which saw an 88-minute equaliser. It was, of course, Fleetwood one, Wimbledon one, as an 88-minute equaliser from Joe Garner was enough to earn a point. Tomo, do you have anything to speak about this? Yeah, just briefly on those two games. Firstly, the Sunderland one, I think that's a massive, massive win for them because it's the type of game, winnable side, but winnable, well, a team you should beat, but no pushover in Cambridge at home. We saw that when they beat Wigan. Um, But they had a man sent off early, Lloyd-Jones, and then I think they did equalise even with 10, but Sunderland showed their class and, as you say, 79 points Sheffield Wednesday, 80 points Wickham Plymouth Sunderland. But I think if you had to pick a side that's going to drop out right now, it'd potentially be Plymouth because they do have to play MK Dons. And Sunderland, I think, have got Morecambe and I think somebody else that is a winnable game, having previously looked at it. So, as you say, that's a probably a, a good, really big result, that for Sunderland. Um, as for the relegation fight, Massive point that for Fleetwood. It keeps them, it takes them just above Gillingham, who, and they also have a game in hand on Jills. So that goal was massive, probably a dagger to the hearts of those Jills fans in the away end at Pompey after they lost 3 1. Um, that relegation battle is going to go right down to the wire. Uh, Gillingham will need to win their last game and hope Fleetwood drop points. But if I was to pick one that to go down right now, I actually think Fleetwood could still go down because. Wimbledon, they were actually the better side here. And we know Wimbledon haven't won a game in like 25, which is incredible. And that that game, as you say, as for Wimbledon, that if Fleetwood or Gillingham get a point in any of their late last games, Wimbledon are down and they need to win their last game anyway. They do have a better goal difference than uh, Jill's, but eight goal swing to Fleetwood. So it'd take a couple of hidings from the Cods and Wimbledon to win. So they're all but down, as well as Doncaster, who did win, but they are relegated as well. Um, they have been pre- pretty much since February, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so, as, as yeah, so for Doncaster, despite a win, they, they have they have to win and hope um, and hope a gargantuan goal difference swing goes in their favour. They have, they have to win and hope that they have to win and hope that Wimbledon, Gillingham and Fleetwood all lose and hope there's a massive goal difference swing so that their minus 45 goal difference becomes better than Fleetwood's minus 17 goal difference, which just doesn't happen. I think the fact, the fact that, Fleet, that Wimbledon's last win was all the way back on the 7th of December, it just goes to show how poor they have been this season. And they they just need to build for a side for a campaign in League Two. As for Gillingham, they are five without a win. They did manage to draw three of those games, however, but they have to they have to beat Rotherham on Saturday and hope that Fleetwood lose both their games this week against Sheffield Wednesday and against Bolton as well. Moving on now to League Two, where we're going to start off at a pretty big result at um, at Barrow Stadium as they overcame a promotion chasing Sutton United 
who would have said that? Who would have thought that at the start of the season? By a goal to nil, as Phil Brown is really working his magic there. As a goal from John Rooney was enough that for them to overcome um, Sutton in their battle against the droppers. They are now safe. We'll cross Oldham's Bridge when we come to it, obviously. Um, but yeah, p- some pretty big results there. Tom, do you have anything to say about the matter and take us through a couple of games in League Two as well while you're at it? Yeah, well, I'll start at the bottom. Obviously, Oldham, devastating for them. Really poor situation. I think the game was abandoned with sort of 10 minutes to go and Salford given the points. I'm not sure if they did actually play out the remainder of that game, but the worst possible weekend for them after there was wins for Barrow and Stevenage, which consigned them to relegation. Stevenage's win was massive. Steve Evans' side beating promotion, chasing Tranmere, which... Devastating result there for Tranmere, really. Losing um, 2-0 to a, a real poor side in Stevenage. But, yeah, Oldham, it's just a horrible situation. And they have come out in a club statement and said that John Sheridan will stay at the club. But the problem is, is once you get sucked into that National League abyss, there's so many big sides that have been in there ages. I mean, you look at the likes of the table right now this season, You've got Knox County up there. You've got Wrexham. You know the money behind them. You've got Stockport, a big club. Halifax are a big club who've been actually relegated down to and then since promoted back. You look at clubs like York City who were relegated twice. You know, it is not an easy league at all. Chesterfield, all these sides that it's so difficult to get out of that league. And I think the Oldham... We know about Scunthorpe, obviously. they. I think they could really struggle next year in the division. But Oldham, I think it, it's got to be a case of really investing next year. And with Abdallah at the club, who wants to sell, thanks to massive pressure from the fans, and fair play to those Oldham fans for putting that pressure on. But Summit's got to give at that club. But on a bit more of a positive note, Big wins for Stevenage and Barrow. They both made managerial changes at just the right time, it feels like. But they're probably both counting themselves lucky to be in the division, to be fair, because of the fact that Oldham and Scunthorpe are so poor. Um, Another result I want to touch upon, it was a really disappointing one for Port Vale, who lost 2-0 away at Walsall. Uh, They took about 2,500 away fans there, which for League Two is monumental. Some teams don't even get that at home. so to do that and get beat is really disappointing, especially to a side that are firmly on the beach in Walsall, who did play well in the game, but it severely dents Port Vale's top three aspirations. They're still in with a chance, but you have to say if you're Northampton, you're buzzing with that. And Bristol Rovers, to be fair, who got a good point at Forest Green. Yeah, I think speaking of Forest Green, huge congratulations to them on their promotion to League One. It's been well and truly deserved and everyone at top four tiers wishes them the best of luck next season. But a fantastic individual performance from James Belshaw in that Bristol Rovers goal managed to keep them out in a, in a, goalless, in a goalless draw, um, which again was enough to see all promotion. Forest Green. Another game which we are going to touch upon really quickly is a bit of a nothing game. Just feel like touch upon nothing game. Lace Orient 2, Northampton 4, um, in a game which actually puts Northampton in the top three with just two games to go for them this season. 
as for Lace Nori, they've had a turnaround since the managerial change again. They made it at the right time. They were perhaps at risk of falling into the boss into that relegation scrap and even worse into the bottom two. But again, they made the change at the right time. And it just and it just postulates that hats off to them. They've had a good turnaround um, in the last couple of weeks. That rounds off the top four tiers podcast this week. If you're new, please make sure you like and subscribe. And as always, we'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us at Top 4 Tears. You've been listening to Tom Ward, founder of the Multimedia Empire, and myself, Lucas Ross, editor and producer. Don't forget to like and subscribe.